we are back. Uh, we took a week off last week. That was on me. Didn't feel good. We are back. Happy Easter, everybody. Um, yeah, Isaiah Torian, man, how y'all doing? Uh, I'm hungover. Mm-hmm. <laughs> saw saw that you yeah. had a fun night out on the Facebooks. Yeah, it was, man. We don't get out much, you know, you know, with the kids. So it's, it's nice every now and then to uh, get out and cut loose. But uh, yeah, I definitely had too much fun paying for it today. How you guys nah, doing? I'm good. I, I actually should have. Uh, me and the family went to Fuzzies and uh, we were going to go top golf and stuff. And bro, I went to Fuzzies and had two of those uh, making woodies. Mm-hmm. And after that, bro, my senses shut down for a little bit because I, I haven't I haven't drank as much. Like when we went out to Edna's, that was like it for me drinking. And so last mm-hmm. night, bro, I, I tried to go hard in the paint like I was twenty again. And boy, we we ended up you going around one. Man, you were in your thirties. Mortal, bro. <laughs> but yeah, we went. We ended up going around one at Quail and uh, with the mm-hmm. kids and stuff and. It was fun. I drank there a little bit too, but yeah, I I definitely felt that. But Isaiah, how how you doing, my guy? Uh, not too bad. Uh, finished up the sh- the second job last night, like nine something. Hustled home so I could watch the card last night. But other than that, I'm just my feet hurt. Dude. Did you? How much of that card did you watch? Uh, I watch. Well, I start. I go in at five, so I miss pretty much the all the prelims strictly the main card so maybe if i I, get some time i'll watch the prelim fights to see what went down but i i didn't watch the prelims the only well i watched the the end of the the gaslam chris curtis fight that's the only one and honestly based on the the card so like i don't think we missed anything yeah that was definitely the best one that was a really good fight kelvin gaslam finally getting back on the the w card but um man let's quickly run through the the main card ufc 287 First fight, we had Raul Rosas Jr. come out as the 18-year-old phenom and show that he needs to learn some new tricks because homie was out there diving for legs for his life. Yeah, he showed that he was 18 years old for sure. I think the biggest problem with him, man, is he thought that he could carry over the energy of his last fight to this fight with with the same move. Like people don't watch tape and people don't study what he does and he didn't he had almost no volume. He he barely threw any strikes. He just was diving at legs. Sixteen was, strikes. Yeah. Sixteen total strikes. What did he land? Like two or five? No, no I'm saying he landed sixteen in the oh, full three rounds, I believe. Yeah, yeah. Oh God. Yeah, that's yeah, that's not good, man. You, Christian Rodriguez ain't no slouch, bro. He's you know, he's a good fight as well, but I think show he definitely showed his age. Yeah, he's got a lot of potential <laughs> for how he won the contender series and made a big splash in his first couple of fights, but you can't be that confident when you're fighting against people that have made a career of doing this and you're 18, you're fresh out of high school. Like you gotta, you gotta really put in some work. And he looked like how Aljamain looked the second time he fought Piotr Jan, where he was mm, the first solely- time. No, was it that first time where he was just solely diving at legs? Yeah, that was the first time where it, he couldn't yeah. get takedowns. He was just diving at legs. He had he didn't throw no punches to get to it. He would just stand up, backpedal, backpedal, and then just shoot. Yeah, yeah that was the first one. That yeah, was the first he'd one. Show, he'd, he'd show his offhand and then shoot, show his offhand and then shoot. So, I mean, obviously it's time to go back to the drawing board. I mean, the kid's got potential, but 
he's definitely going to have to try to throw a little more on the feet, but he drained any ounce of cardio that he had left in the first round trying to get the trying to get the submission and it just didn't work. So it, it just showed. Yeah, he's going back to fight or he's going to fight nights guaranteed. He probably that was his his lob that he got to be on a pay-per-view to open a pay-per-view and he let Dana down. Um oh, not, I mean so. it wasn't even to me I, I as well as I was watching, I was like there's this fight is boring because he was just diving out of leg. Christian Rodriguez didn't even look like he broke a sweat, but um, yeah. Uh, after that, man, Kevin Holland fought uh, Ponzinibbio, so knocked him the fuck Ponzin. out. Yeah. yeah, knocked him the fuck out. Um, he had it looked hurt, like yeah, uh, whatever. Yeah. He caught his leg and he threw like that weird back fist, caught him right on the temple, dropped him instantly. I was like, ooh. Yeah, Bobby Brown was uh, he was definitely in his feelings. Like, man, that's how you hit somebody with your backhand. Cause yeah, yeah Kevin Holland definitely smoked off on him and uh, ended up finishing him in the third. Mm-hmm. I think it was a good fight overall. I mean, Ponzinibbio looked good on the feet. Um, I think Kevin Holland, his natural weight is one seventy. Whenever he goes up to, whenever he goes up to middleweight, it's it's not good for him because there's so much more power there, and he can stuff takedowns better at uh, welter. So I think that's. I think that's his home. I think he's really going to try to make a push and make a run now that he's he, at welterweight. Because his length I, at welterweight is next level. He's like six yeah, feet. He, he looks he looks a lot bigger. The only thing with Kevin Holland is is he's an entertainer. He I don't think he really cares uh, as much to be a champion. He's all about making cash. He has the fight with Wonder Boy. That was his chance to come out and prove like I belong in the top. 10 top five of the welterweight division and he made that agreement of hey uh we're not going to go to the ground at all i want to stand with you and it's like yeah. Mm. Yeah. wonder boy wonder boy doesn't really lose on his feet he loses yeah. because he gets taken down so uh, love the yeah. confidence though yeah <laughs> no they great had like confidence. a gentleman's agreement before the fight they were like we're not going to take each other down it's like that standard bang mode on ufc games like they just they both selected that and they that's the only mode bro Man, he he definitely did because because uh, Wonder Boy was piecing him up. I felt bad because I actually like Kevin Holland, and Wonder Boy was yeah. beating him into oblivion. Yeah, no, he really yeah. Was. Did you did you catch the uh, Rob Font knockout? Absolutely, that was beautiful. Homie hit him with the sure you can. And... He hit him with a half uppercut hook right on the button. That was shut him out. Yeah, that was that was bad. Uh, I when when I seen him fly back, I was like, "Damn!" Yeah. Well, I mean, and Yanez had he's got really good boxing. Like he was touching up Rob Font for sure. Like it was, it looked like it was gonna be a slugfest if they made it out of the first round, and they still had a fraction of their gas tank. It was gonna look to me along the lines of the same as you know Gaethje and Chandler. Like these dudes are just gonna stand in the pocket and they're just gonna trade and they don't care. But hey, he caught him on the button. It was weird too, because he almost he almost Backflip. grabbed his yeah. Well, he almost grabbed his right arm. It looked like he was shielding off his right arm, Yanez's right arm, with his left arm, and then he came up with that straight. I'm telling you, bro. He hit him with that. That was clean. That was a clean shot. I mean, right on the button. Hands were down. <clears throat> This is just a beautiful connection. I mean, he he knocked his ass out cold. And I don't know what Yanez was 
I don't know if he mad was about mad it with his coaches. Yeah, nah, he man. was mad at his coaches. Was... Yeah, he was talking shit to him. But <laughs> bro, they wasn't. They didn't out. catch. Like, they didn't yeah. catch that uppercut hook combo. They didn't... Yeah, yeah, they're not the one that told you to just throw caution to the wind and swing like crazy. Mm. That was you that was doing that. It's it's crazy too because Adrian Yanez was supposed to take a leap in the top of the bantamweight division, and I'm not even finna play with you. Rob Font, and you get knocked out by Rob Font like that. Boy, you're yeah. gonna have to do something different. You're gonna have to get on the juice. Cause yeah. uh, no disrespect to Rob Font, but he's not really a top five, top six, top seven kind of guy in the bantamweight division no, no more. So if he's no. hitting you with that shit, boy, boy, yeah, you better was, get on it. I was clean as a whistle. And then we watched another, you know, we watched another steeple of UFC get put put out to pasture. Man, Jorge Masvidal losing, but that, I mean, I knew he was gonna lose to Gilbert Burns. Like Gilbert Burns, he's polished, he's too skilled. He is not good. He's he was never uh, good. He just had yeah. a really good year where year. he knocked out three, or he beat three really good fighters. Like yeah, that was it. But and I then think, he got pushed to the I moon. Think his yeah, his notoriety in these last like four years since his twenty nineteen. He got he got the rankings and he was able to you know fight for two titles and he wasn't the, one of the best people in the division by no <laughs> means. Was, that's just, that's the thing, like. But he was willing to like do it. About. I mean, he, yeah, because he was trying to get paid. Like I understand <laughs> it, but like, dude, the thing that I don't thing that has always bothered me about the UFC and like Dana White is. It's, I just, I don't think the UFC is ran well. Like, I think they try to run it like, they try to make it about spectacle, dude. You give these guys who've been losing fucking fights title shots because it's entertaining. Like, I mean, I hate to say it, man. Like, if you're really wanting to be competitive, the best guys need to fight each other. You can't tell me that Jorge Masvidal had any fucking business being in the cage with fucking Kamaru Usman when he fought him. Had no business being in the fucking cage with him. It's the same way he had no business being in the cage. He has no business being in the cage with Colby Covington. Like, there's just, there's honestly levels to this shit. And he, he got lucky, dude. Knocking out Darren Till, he got lucky. Like that was that was a lucky fucking deal. Beating mm, Nate I, Diaz. Nate Diaz has fought a million fucking fights, dude. And it was only like it was a stoppage. You know what I mean? Like he yeah, didn't Nate, put his lights out or anything like that. Like he yeah. it was a doc. What did it? It was a doctor stoppage, dude. It was a doc. Yeah, because yeah, of the cut, the cut above his eye. And then the Ben yeah. Askren thing. Like I mean, even I mean, even the Ben Askren thing, dude. He knocked him out with one shot. It was a lucky shot. Like let's be real. He got wrestle fuck. Yeah, he would have got <laughs> rolled the fuck up had he not got that fucking knee. Like, yeah, it's just, I mean, he, he really did, dude. He 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 marketed himself well, very well. Which is that's what you got to do in the UFC now. That honestly, the only reason he was in the cage with um with Kamaru is just for the simple fact of it worked out perfect. Uh, COVID was a, was becoming a thing. Leon Edwards was stuck in London. So he couldn't fight Kamar or not Kamar Usman. Uh, Hamza Gilbert was Burns. still fresh. Yeah. 
Gilbert Burns had just lost. Colby Covington had just lost. Tyron Woodley had lost like his last five fights. Well, he so there was, was really supposed to fight Burns, wasn't he? Because he of, did fight Burns. Like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He was supposed no, to before, fight Burns yeah. after the first one, uh, before the first one, and then uh, Burns ended up getting COVID or something. And then yeah. yeah, Masvidal was the only one who said he would fight him on like a week's notice. Uh, then yeah. he he had the built-in excuse like of yeah, he had the built-in <laughs> excuse of I had seven days training camp. I flew halfway across the world. This guy didn't beat me. He had a full training camp, so he used that leverage. But again, anybody who watches the UFC that wasn't just like being entertained by who George Masvidal was was kind of like, eh. I, on our old show, I was saying all the time, he doesn't deserve to be in there. There's no reason for yeah. it. He's and, and we've seen it. Once he got done being the, the Cowboy Cerrone of the division, of being a fan favorite fighter uh, who's a gatekeeper, and then he started fighting the elite guys – that's he, he he maybe one moment against yeah. Kamar Usman both times he he got dominated then he got his head knocked off against Colby he got dominated he had one good shot on Colby that brought him to a knee Colby stood right back up beat the shit out of him the rest of it and then last night against Gilbert Burns honestly Gilbert probably could have finished him if he wanted to I don't on think Gilbert yeah. yeah I don't think Gilbert was like had I don't think Gilbert was bloodlusted because if, no. if, if Gilbert was bloodlusted, like I didn't see Gilbert throw any punches like I watched him throw against Hamzat. I didn't see the same yeah. Gilbert from the Hamzat fight fight last night. It was a, I respect you. I know this is your last go round. You know yeah, what I'm saying? I'm not about to put, put you, you out in front out. of your family. Yeah. Yeah. I think but had was, Gilbert wanted to, he'd have beat the shit out of Which should let you know how <laughs> out of place Masvidal was fucking fighting him. I had no business yeah, fighting it's, him. It's how respected he is. That's why. Okay. Man. Dude. He he should. I mean, Fuck honestly, honestly, the only I think the only reason that he ended up fighting Gilbert is because nobody else in that division wants to fight Gilbert. Like the, I say, yeah. no one. Uh, Leon is fine fighting fighting Gilbert. Leon's the, doesn't care. I um, think he should fight him next. Yeah, obviously, Colby. Well, you know. I I think he will, or I think he should have. The only reason he's not is because he didn't do anything like last night that says. I could, I should get another title fight uh, after after that. He should have, because what George is, is number yeah. eleven. He yeah. should have beat the fuck out of out of Masvidal. If he would have, he po- he probably could have, but he, yeah, he kind of just dropped the ball. I'll tell him. you this, man. Uh, if Leon Edwards holds true to his word, which I don't, will, but he's sitting there saying he's he's not going, he's not fighting Covington next. He refuses to do it. Why? They said they'll strip him. Well, they said they'll strip him. Well, I mean, to me, the fight that should happen next, it should be a contender fight between Birds and Covington. Then Leon fights the winner. I agree, but they don't want him to sit idle for too long. Yeah, and that's like the thing. Like they, they don't, I, they, they don't fuck around, dude. Because they, it's because they're running so many. You know, they're running so fight many, like, fights like, like that, dude. Like, they can't afford – like, what What are they fighting now? Like, every six months, roughly? Uh, uh, it depends. It may on... be every, who it is. Yeah. Some, some fight every three. Like, Izzy fights every three months. Yeah. I, you, and, fuck, dude. Since you bring him up, they're going to have to run that back. No. Nah, they already said they're not. They're so, not... Uh, is uh, Perea going up to 205 then? Yeah. Nope. Yeah. He they said he had a – yeah, well, and they said he had a hard like. Well, you can tell, you can look at him. He has a hard time making one eighty five. 
they said uh before yeah. he stepped in the scale he was like five pounds overweight and pretty much had to kill himself to drop that last five to get there so yeah. they're they're pretty much like yeah you're going to 205 my guy so you don't kill yourself yeah i mean just yeah, for I mean, hydration re- reasons i mean yeah, yeah he's 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 got a good gas tank on him but Dude, you're like putting your body through hell to do that to stay at that weight, and it's gonna be a yeah, nice buildup because, much. yeah, Jamal Hill knocked out Glover, Glover, and yeah, and Glover's you know been mentoring Perea, and they're in the same camp, and he was in his corner last night, so that's Once a good again, play into spectacle. that fight. It's spectacle. That's yeah. what it is. Yeah, well, he's not gonna get an immediate title shot. Yuri no. is gonna get his rematch. Yeah, it's going to be Yuri, and then if Jamal Hill wins, then Pereira will probably get thrown like Blahovich or something. Yeah, either Blahovich or uh, Ankalaev. Yeah, fight. because Ankalaev didn't lose that fight, bro. He won that fight against. Yeah, I think Blahovich. he did too. One of those I think guys he did too. that I'm that I'm, uh, that I'm real scared of for them boys. Uh, what's his name? Shafkat Rachmanov. That dude. Bro, <laughs> he's them, a all them all them, all them rusky motherfuckers, those Mongolian dude. They're fucking scary, man. <laughs> the Dagestani dudes, the man. <laughs> and, and they say it. Uh, I think DC had a sit down with with um. Oh my god, I forgot his name or uh, Habib, and he was like, "Why is it?" It was either Habib or Islam, and he was like, "Why is it?" And he said, "Brother, brother, we grow up different." He said, you guys sit here and you get to experience happiness. He said, we have to fight just to to get somewhere so that we can be happy later in life. We are working for this since we're the day we are born. I'm like, well, you ain't wrong. Yeah, yeah, the motherfuckers is wrong. being bred. They been out here being bred for this shit. And yeah, yeah them dudes is real. It's, it's the, the UFC, if you look at from almost every division, I don't think there's too many American champions. You have John, John Jamal Hill yeah. uh, at light heavyweight. Well, um, middleweight Aljamain. is is uh, yeah, Sadao. Aljo, which Al, Aljo is technically Nigerian American, so you yeah. know what I'm saying. Um, Israel is middleweight. Welterweight is uh, uh, Leon, Leon. Jamaican British. slash yeah, England, um, yeah. and then bantamweight uh, Aljo, uh, who claims Jamaica. Uh, lightweight is Islam. Featherweight is Volk. Um, well, no, it's Yair Rodriguez. Did you see that? He's an interim, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. he's the interim because he beat. Uh, yeah, he beat the shit out of. Um, I forgot uh, his name. Bald dude, uh, Doctor Evil. That's what we're gonna call yeah, him. Yeah. But yeah, yeah he, he beat him. Yeah, they they should be fighting for the unless unless uh, Volk just drops it. Yeah, unless um, Volk just releases it and goes up the lightweight forever, they should be setting up their their fight because he said after the Islam fight, he was like, "Let's just get this done." Yeah, and then Alex Moreno, Moreno, who's yeah, Mexican, Mexican. and then the women's is fucking everywhere. Like, yeah, they're everywhere but here. So, um, there's is Henry Cejudo. He's fighting Aljo. Yeah, he's fighting. I think he's gonna beat him. But when that happens, and he moves up and fights Volkanovski, in theory, if he wins, is Henry Cejudo the greatest fighter in UFC history? No. no, I don't even think he's close. If he's held belts in three different weight classes, I don't think he's close because because then you have to look at someone like John Jones and say, well, he's he won the light heavyweight belt. He defended it like thirteen times. He went up to heavyweight like technically. That's, he lost it. 
know? he the thing with the thing with Cejudo is is and this is not a, a knock at Cejudo. Cejudo won the belt in a great time of yes, his career. A he, time. he like there the, the no bantamweight. Con- yeah, there was no yeah. real contenders at that time. I I do think he beats. I, I he could possibly depending beat Aljo. Um, strictly because of his gas tank and his wrestling and his striking, uh, and and Aljo's not going to be able to just dive for legs and and have that kind of success. But him beating Dominic Cruz for the belt, the bantamweight belt, I'm like, man, like Dominic Cruz was way past his prime. Then you yeah. beat Marlon Moraes, who's been knocked out by everybody, yeah. And then you retire. You don't fight yeah. Aljo. You don't fight Piotr Jan. You don't fight uh, none of yeah. And Sam Bangin, you don't yeah. fight none of those dudes, and then you come back, and then I honestly, I'm gonna put this out here: if he goes up and fights Volk, I think Volk wipes the fucking floor with him. Yeah, I I honestly think Volk should be a two time or a two belt or a two division champ right now. Yeah, because I don't think like Islam beat him. I think no. Islam tried to hold him down, but the most damage done on the ground, even when Islam got him to the ground, Volk. Yeah. But, and especially uh, when 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 Henry Cejudo won, a lot of the guys that are the top tier of both divisions were coming up. They had just signed their contracts. They were just starting to compete. So, like you said, Marlon, it was perfect timing for him to win I, both belts. Connor well, was in that weird. Nah, he wouldn't really have fought Connor. Connor was Connor was in featherweight at the point, and then oh, lightweight. Yeah. He was. Oh yeah. Henry Henry won the belt at at flyweight, beating uh, Demetrius Johnson. So yeah. in flyweight, I like to be in flyweight. I don't think nobody in the flyweight division is fucking with him. Even Brandon Moreno. I don't think Brandon Moreno's fucking with him. He's Henry Cejudo's wrestling is completely different than Davidson Figueredo. He's yeah. going to he's going he's going to get him on the ground if he wants to on the ground. The dude's an nope. Olympic gold medalist. That dude yeah. will fuck you up on the yeah. ground. Do you want to know who else is? Cardano. Who? Huh? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. With a broken neck, but the yeah. only person he didn't get down at will that he wanted to was uh, the DJ Demetrius Johnson, and that's yeah. just because Demetrius Johnson is another goat. But also one of uh, the greatest fighters who yeah. ever lived. And they train got, together now, yeah. <laughs> which is trained. even scarier, dude. Because Demetrius Johnson is still winning fights. Yeah, yeah. In one, he's he, beat is, in, is he in one? Yep. Yeah. And yeah. their camp now also includes John Jones, so it's nuts. Yeah, it is very nuts. That's why he's been telling Cejudo. But real quick to dive into the Izzy fight, I watched a video. You know that video where uh, the old man is like, "Oh, oh, call an ambulance! Call an ambulance not for me." They said that was Izzy on the cage. He said he yeah. Pereira came in and in the second and was swinging and dropped his hands and thought, "All right, well, I'm about to get the homie out of here again." And Izzy hit him with that right, and he looked. Whoa. All the way behind him, like, "Hey, Trump, what yeah. happened?" And turned around and looked again, and got finished. Yeah, I really, I think the perfect setup for that first right that he landed was that little left uppercut. If you, it, the exchange was real fast, but he hit him with the left and kind of it made it made Perea go away from his next windup. He caught him with the left, and he barely like kind of jarred him. And then that right came perfect over the top, and it stunned him bad. Because... So who fights? No, go ahead. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm just trying to figure out who fights him next, dude. Who, uh, who is he? Yeah. Um, <laughs> probably come shot. I was about to say, man. Get, <laughs> yeah. yeah, man. Give well, that. I think I, he fucks Israel Adesanya up too. I don't think he does. I think he's I too think reckless. He, I, I he doesn't have the gas tank for it. Yeah. Dude, if he, he, if has he, to cut if he develops the cardio, dude, 
I think he beats him just on grappling alone. Is he well, so one dimensional that like? Uh, yes I mean, and yes gotta, and no. You got to think he took down Pereira. I mean, you got to get to him, but it's the the difference. The difference in it is 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 Hamzat the guys that he he's fought. None of them are are good grapplers. Everyone, the best grappler he fought was uh, Kevin. Well, yeah, and he didn't get him down as easy as he should have. I forgot about the Burns fight, but yeah. um, after that first round. Burns was giving him them blues. Uh, Izzy has fought against guys that are are just as good at grapplers like Marvin Vittori, Robert Whitaker, uh, and even Jan Blachowicz, who used his weight on him. I don't think Hamzat is is as well. Actually, I don't know because he doesn't fucking fight anybody. He's fighting like I want to see. Besides Gilbert Burns, you have a war with Gilbert Burns that went was a split decision, and since mm-hmm. then he fought Kevin Holland. So yeah. I don't know because if he can't get Izzy down. And even if he does get him down, if he don't get him out of there in the first round, he's going to have to come out breathing heavy, and he's going to get beat the fuck up. I mean, how much was he overweight to not fight? Seven pounds or eight pounds. Eight pounds overweight. So they had to throw some shit. Yeah, they had to throw some shit together for him to even fight. And that's making – because that was a 185 fight, no? No, it was a welterweight. Because he hasn't fought 185. Uh, yeah, and well, maybe once, but uh, in like once way back during COVID, he may have fought in a, a middleweight yeah, uh, he fight, fought, but... like twice in like twenty-one days or something. One both yeah, fights. Yeah, and he's he hasn't fought anybody in the top in either division. He's fought one person in the top fifteen, and that was Gilbert Burns in either division. He hasn't again. He the thing the thing with Izzy is is Izzy will do whatever they they want him to do. Honestly, what needs to happen is you have a bunch of guys who could deserve it. A lot of them have already lost to Izzy. Make them fight. Yeah. It's it's, a contender. Yeah, that's what needs to happen more. It's the same thing with the welterweight division. Like, Leon has fought, and Leon has fought more than fucking, like, really Gilbert included, but he's fought more than Gilbert. He's fought more than Colby. He's fought more than Bilal. He's fought more than Hamzat. He's fought more than all of these guys, and his fights were against Kamaru Usman. And then they're just all saying, we're just sitting here. We want a title shot. It's like, okay, we'll stand out. Do something to fucking stand out. At this point, what, Colby fights like once Once a a year. Yeah. Izzy had a what it is almost an exact three month turnaround, four yeah. month turn about four month turnaround. Yep. And then before that, he fought Whitaker again. Was that the Whitaker, the second Whitaker yep. fight? Uh, and wait. Before that, it was the second Vittori fight. And I'm trying to that, remember. There may there may have been somebody in between uh him. Oh, and he Whitaker. fought. Yon. Yeah, yeah. He, uh, he no, 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 no. He? he no, no, no. Cannoneer. Yeah, fought Jared Cannoneer. So he before fought Cannoneer and afterwards. Yeah. Yes. Izzy has fought like eight times since 2020. Like, yeah, these guys aren't, these guys aren't as active anymore just because they don't have to be back in the day. They were active because they really weren't making any fucking money. Uh, Now they don't have to. Now, if you're at the top of the division or you're, you're, it's super entertaining, like a Masvidal or Colby or whatever, you don't have to fight often. You fight one time, your base, like your show pay is like fucking 350,000. And then you make money off the gate. And these yeah. gates have been crazy. So yeah. they're making, like what Chael Sonnen said uh, on a podcast, he said when he fought Anderson Silva the second time, he said he bought, brought home $8.5 million. And it wasn't wasn't his actual contract. It was the gate. 
Jeez. the gate in the pay-per-view buys that he gets home. That's the, that's the real, like, that's the, the issue with the UFC is people complain about fighter pay, but they don't see, they complain about the salary. They don't see how much these motherfuckers bring home after, if you're top tier echelon and you're getting some of that gate fee and yeah. uh, pay-per-view buy. But I'm, I'm happy for Izzy. He, he slayed, he slayed his demon. Yes. He's still one in three. But what he said in the post-fight interview was perfect. He said one and three. He said three minus one is two, and I'm a two-time champ. So, <laughs> fuck out of here. <laughs> is basically what he, he said. He slept him bad. It was it was that that was the best version of Izzy that I've seen since Paula Costa. It, yeah. it had to be that way if you base it on the law of averages. A motherfucker beat you three times. You were bound. Okay, no. Fighting him, you are bound to get him at least once. Let me let me put a pause in that. One of them went to decision, and he got knocked. Which he got, which he got robbed, and it's it's well known that he got robbed because he dropped in the first fight. He dropped Pereira. The referee made a mistake. He gave him a standing eight count. The fight should have been stopped. They didn't. It went to decision. They gave uh, Pereira a bullshit finish uh, or a bullshit. Uh, decision in brazil the second one he knocked him the fuck out the third one israel was dominating and then he got caught and then yeah. this one it didn't even make it that far it was if you base it on the laws of averages he was bound to beat him at some point in time if you keep fighting that I mean, if you if you look at it from that law of averages thing should connor and dustin poirier fight again because i'm pretty Absolutely. sure poirier's beat him <laughs> i was about to say uh i mean it's two and one. I mean, they might as well. Yeah. I mean, I get. I mean, I guess just just that's like for, having uh, that's like having a fourth Usman fight against Edwards. If you think about it, too, like you can you can make the argument too, like when Conor McGregor made his really like electrifying run through the UFC, kind of in the same way, like he he just he he came in at the right time and beat the right people. Because then you saw when he actually he started getting like overzealous and trying to fight people in weight classes above his, and he couldn't fucking beat him. And with Connor, I think well, he just he shouldn't yeah. have jumped into the light because his his wins in, in featherweight are second to none. You yeah. beat Max Holloway, you beat Dustin Poirier, knocked him the fuck out. You beat you Chad Mendes, who at the time who was uh, top five. You beat you knock out Jose Aldo that fast, and then he doesn't fight featherweight again. But he has some great names. I think he was just overly ambitious. You know what I yes. mean? Like, yes. Well, that's whenever he was hungry, and then he it. got his bag. He got his bag, and then well, he got his he bag started. after fighting Floyd. I, he should have never fought Floyd. The Habib fight, stylistically, you're, he wasn't fucking with Habib. And then no. after that, duck going in and out like two years away, then trying to come back and you fight Dustin. Um, that is a bad fight, anyways, because Dustin at the time was super active um, and really was the closest person to, to beating Habib with that guillotine that he, he, yeah. sl- he snuck out of. But Connor is just, Connor was just too in and out like that. He, he's not, yeah. like you said, Isaiah, he's not hungry. He's too in and out. He just wasn't committed. And he's uh, like dead ass. Connor came in. He was the perfect storm at the right time because he yes. was mostly a character. Everyone yeah. like, like he, I remember he pressed Tyron Woodley in the back once, or on on like when they were on stage, and Tyron yeah. was like, "This guy does all this talking when the cameras are on, but as soon as we get to the back, 
he's all, hey, it's nice to meet you, blah, blah, blah. And at the time, Tyron Woodley would have fucked Conor McGregor up. So he, 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 got, he played the character right, and then now he's just making bags. Anytime yeah. Conor fights, he's, yeah. he's making a lot. It's still the money fight in the UFC. It doesn't yep. matter who he's yeah, fighting. Absolutely, like, yeah. No, he he will be, too. Will be, too. Yeah. But, Until he decides not to do it no more, he's 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 gonna be the money fight. Mm-hmm. I'm I saying, like if, it's, right if it's not him, if it ain't him, it's I mean, it's probably John Jones. No. I'd say if it's not him, uh, if it's not Connor, the next person that's closest to Connor would probably be uh, Izzy. After Izzy, John. After John, Volk. Uh, as far as drawing, well, actually, shit. Uh, drawing, drawing names. Colby's up there. Yeah. Um, and previous to that, like Nate Diaz, uh, when he, when it, whenever he decides to come back and fight, there's names. It's just the the levels, like out of the top five selling UFC pay per views, Connor has four of them. Yeah. And he also has like six, seven, and eight. So he's, it's just different. Everybody wants to watch it. Like if Connor comes back right now and says, "I'm fighting Justin Gaethje." He he's probably gonna get his ass whooped, but I'm gonna watch it. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I was about to say he fucking Legaichi, dude. Not chance. Oh, by the by the way, hold on, real quick before we switch, they're talking about Gaichi and Dustin Poirier running it back, and I'm all for it. Yes, that. I want to see. Oh that. yes, the post fight show. Violence. Yeah, yeah the post fight show Gaichi was on, and he said, "You know, that's that's the next thing that that we're talking about," and. Dean Thomas and John Anik were like, if it's a um, co-main event or a main event pay-per-view, or even you know just a co a co-main three rounder, and Dean was like, I'm sorry, brother, but I'd love to see you in a five rounder with Gaethje. And Dustin said, I'm worried about my legs for a five round. Man, <laughs> they fought five rounds back in 2017, 2018, the first time they fought, yeah. and Gaethje was tearing Dustin's legs the fuck up. Absolutely, that's his. That's his go-to man. Yeah, dude, dude his leg kicks. He chopped him. Chop the leg. You chop the trees down, dude. The body's gonna fall, dude. <laughs> Bro, he yeah. throws those legs from a deep, dark place every time. There's so much. He puts so much power in his leg. It's 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 crazy. It's it's cool to watch Justin Gaethje fight too because he gets hit a lot and it, he has a good chin, but he gets yeah. wobbled a lot. Where he just looks like he just yeah. took way too many shots of tequila, but oh. I don't know. I'm I'm curious to see that because Dustin Poirier hits really hard. Justin Gaethje hits really hard. They have similar styles, and man, yeah, man. dude, Poirier's his shots are just like stiff. Like they're not. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like they don't like they don't look pretty. They don't look like powerful. They just it's, look like they're just fucking there on point, dude. You're like, yeah. dude, he's it's eating very, this guy up. Very accurate. You you never really see him actually complete a full punch. You know what I mean? Like he's just bam, bam. He's just like kind of fucking stiff you. jab, dude. I, I think it's like the thing that made Conor McGregor so dangerous for a while. He said a stiff jab, dude, and it stiff sets jab. up everything else. Like, well, that and and he's just so precise. He hits like yeah. he doesn't have to hit like hit you as hard as he, he can they just they just hit you and when they hit you it feels it, it it's different they hit you at the right place at the right time as you're coming in or as you're going back they just hit you and uh, like you said a lot of the times it doesn't even look like or even really sound like 
it's a lot. But like in the Michael Chandler fight, when uh, Poirier was on the cage getting teed off on, and he just threw like a, it looked like he threw a check uppercut, just like a, like just to back little. him up. Yeah. yeah, and it hit him, and Chandler, like his whole body just paused for a second, yeah. and he was, yeah, his like arms dropped, and I was like, oh my god, yeah. and they had broke his nose and shit. I was like, yeah. man, these dudes, but, uh, but moving moving on from from UFC, uh, I'd ask you guys earlier in the week, um, start thinking about guys that, and in, in the NFL all time, some of the guys that changed the game, and whenever I mention change the game, like what they did it it either created a new new like uh rule or like coverages i'll start it off uh one of mine and he's one of my favorite receivers of all time that changed the game uh actually i'm gonna rattle two names off um randy moss and megatron randy moss made it to where if you do not have two deep safeties that's your ass and megatron made it to where even if you have two deep safeties it don't matter yeah you think, you have to have big big long paws uh like <laughs> corners and safeties and they have to be able to not only tackle or not only cover but they have to tackle too because megatron was a fucking freak yeah yeah, yeah no definitely man um i would i would say obviously there were there were mobile quarterbacks who came before him but i think michael vick changed the way football was played absolutely um, the way defenses were ran when that guy came, I think he was kind of like the precursor to like the zone read because they were able to run it with him. You had to respect his legs. And then, you know, if you, if you didn't, he would gash you those chunk plays added up. And then if you, if you sold out to try to stop him from running the ball, dude, he had a cannon. So like, he just, he, he literally, he, he made defenses honest. They had to be very, very balanced when you played against a guy like him. I think he absolutely changed the way football was played. I think to piggyback off of that is what all of us as kids did is what Michael Vick did in real life. Hey, if you're just going to send eight or if you're going to send seven people in coverage, that means you're not spying the quarterback. That means I got 15 (laughs) to 20 yards to run right through the middle of the defense, pick up a first down. Just his speed was next level. And then even though it's a weird way of how he kind of revamped his career after serving his prison time, developed so much more as a passer to where we got to see the accuracy with that arm that he had. It was just, it was next level. It was probably some of the stuff that we'll probably never see again. I think somebody else that changed the game, he's not considered one of the greatest receivers, but in his era, was one of the greatest receivers. I think the push-off that Michael Irvin did <laughs> finally finally gave refs a reason to look out for OPR. Yeah. In next level. I mean, his push-off, he's, he was doing that shit in Miami, and then the NFL didn't catch on to it for, for years. I mean, any kind of out route, any kind of slant that this man ran, he had about three yards of, space between him and the quarter. And it wasn't because Michael Irvin was fast. Not saying he wasn't. But you can see on so many routes that he ran. I mean, I've watched so much old highlights of him running out routes where he's just putting <laughs> a whole stiff arm into the corner right on his hip and creating space. That was somebody that changed as far as the way the game was called, I think. 
Um, another person, too, uh, defensively, I think if you don't have Sean Taylor absolutely baptizing that punter in the Pro Bowl, <laughs> you probably don't get – the NFL has started to kind of change on – they started changing their unnecessary roughness penalties because Sean Taylor just didn't give a fuck. Like he was going to hit whoever, whenever. It's sad that we didn't get to see his career pan out as much, but that's somebody that instantly came to mind to me as far as have, like changing the game. Have you heard that story? <clears throat> I, I don't – it was Reggie Wayne in that, that Pro Bowl, the play right before it. And he said they asked him to run like a dig or a post or something. He and said, he said yeah, he looked over. He was like, uh. And he said Peyton left it high and and right there. And he said he just kind of closed his eyes and was like, well. And he said he said Sean Taylor kind of ran by him and was like, hey, you know I love you. If it was anybody else, they'd be scraping you off. And he said, but I'm looking for my lick back. And he said the very next play was the punt and homie took off. And he said he just seen a flash of him. Oh, Boom. It's, yeah. Shit is crazy. I think you should have slid, thing, man. Slide. Yeah. <laughs> I think another thing to play off of what T said about Michael Vick is nowadays, because of how much Michael Vick changed the game, the way that they rush the quarterback is different. They try to fill running lanes against running quarterbacks, and they constantly have a spy for Lamar or, you know, even – I mean, even Jalen Hurts, you know, when play breaks down, Kyler, those types of running quarterbacks, they make sure, like, no, you're not about to gash us for 20 yards. I mean, it doesn't work out every time, but it's definitely the way that defense is called. It's so much different because of what Michael Vick did. I mean, if you look at one of his best, you know, the run that will be played for Michael Vick's entire life and long after he's gone is that game against Minnesota. Sorry, Niz. (laughs) <laughs> Michael Michael Vick didn't get touched. He didn't even see a defender for thirty yards. That and, were, and I, I'm I'm gonna stop you real quick. That shit does not make no sense to me. Whoever the defensive coordinator is, then they 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 would have got fired right after. Dennis Green would have got fired right after too because yeah. homie drops back. And I, I still remember he drops back the wrong way and then has to flip like he runs play action to his right and then has to flip his body back to his left to look down the field and then his mind is just like where the fuck is everybody at yeah all right but am i not stripping that like with the rise of the mobile quarterback it defensively changed the type of athlete that plays on the field too like yes absolutely so it you know you went from having you know back in the like from the time football was started up until probably the early 2000s, dude, the the inside linebackers that you had were these big fucking blocky, slow, yeah. run-stop, like run-stopping fucking linebackers. And then, yeah. like, around the time you see Michael Vick is also the same time you start seeing dudes like Brian Erlacher and, like, Luke Keekley, those guys who were, like, safeties in college coming down to the middle yeah. of the field and basically – you know, being like the field general for the defense, because now, like you see those like inside linebackers, you got dudes like, I, I mean, the ones that come to mind. Obviously, for me, he no longer plays, but like Luke Keekley, uh, you know, Devin Devin White, those guys who run fucking four Patrick four eight forties and, and fucking play in coverage and they spy yeah. athletic quarterbacks. Fred Warner right now is a perfect example of that. Fred Warner can fly all over the field and he's a middle linebacker. 
Yeah, he, he didn't have the him. he didn't have the best year, but I think the most athletic middle linebacker in football is Devin White. That dude is. Insane. I agree. I agree, and I I don't think he necessarily had a bad year. I just think they they had their a bad defense. Season. Was, yeah, their team. defense was on the field too damn long. Like he yeah. just got worn out. He still had a like a solid year. They just I mean they didn't win yeah. games. There's uh, a reason stuff. why dudes like him get taken in like the top five of the draft because they are so fucking athletic. They can play anywhere, essentially. Yeah. You saw like well, I mean, like you saw like like Shazier was another one of those guys before he got hurt that was like Yes, he was a middle linebacker, and yes, he would come and pop you, but that dude would drop in coverage too. Like, he would drop back there and be playing with fucking safeties in the, on the back like end of the defense. Zone. He'd have to play in middle zone just to make sure, like, hey, if we're playing against a runner, I got to be ready. I mean, yeah. I mean, in a nutshell, that, the, those, those are the things that, you know, have a lasting effect on the game and how it's played, especially now. I think in our generation – like Marlon mentioned it perfect. Randy Moss, Calvin Johnson, Michael Vick. I mean, right now you can even say like the the entire fullback position almost got scraped off an of NFL roster solely because teams don't run out of power eyes anymore. Why? Because they want to – the speed of the game has changed so much just based on a handful of players. Real, real quick, here's a here's a question, kind of off topic. Um, do you guys think that running backs, like the position of running back, has been affected more by the players that are drafted or the media saying that like running backs are obsolete at this point? Not saying think, that they're not, because I, but I do think there are running backs uh, who could be serviceable, or I say serviceable, they could be used for quite a while, but because of scheme, because of teams trying to save a buck and pay it elsewhere running back was the the like position that got hit the hardest okay so i would say that there's this there's this balance you need running backs to set up the pass right you know there's i I think it's an absolutely essential part of football there's never going to be football without a running back on the team however i will say that the problem the problem and it's all you know it's you know it's all relative but like the reason why these teams for these front offices don't want to pay these guys is because they also understand too that if you get hurt and you can't play well then it's money wasted you know what i mean at the end of the day it's a business you know and there's I, I'll die on this hill, dude. I, I think it started with Devontae Freeman having one good year, and then the Falcons overpaid him. And then, you know, the uh, Todd Gurley thing. Then Todd Gurley. Yeah. Zeke. Zeke. Well, Zeke was still very productive at the beginning. I wouldn't have given him that kind of money. Me neither. Solely because I know – like, dude, think about Dallas for the last fucking 10 – 10, 12 years, right? Every running back they have ever had who was their featured back ran for over a thousand yards. Dude, Darren McFadden's career was done when he got to Dallas. <laughs> that dude finished third in the NFL in rushing yards the year he was the featured back. DeMarco Murray Where still owns Dallas Cowboys single season rushing record and then went and got paid to be a fucking tomato can. 
<laughs> in Philly and in Tennessee. Like, it, it doesn't matter. I guarantee you, dude, any guy we fucking went to high school with who played running back would probably crack a thousand yards behind Dallas's O line. Like, you, th- because they were essentially running for five yards a carry before they were even touched. I think, Marlon, you, you said it, you said it well, but I also think that it was, I think the media influenced organizations and then the organizations thought that this was a, a crucial piece to their franchise by signing big contracts to running backs. But they're, they they started to consider the volume of which they're on the field and how much they touch the ball. I think a perfect example of that, even though, you know, I'm just going to use this because he was my favorite player growing up. The year that Ricky Williams ran for 1,800 yards, he carried the ball 300 times. Was it like three three eighty five or some shit like that? Yeah, it was in the mid, yeah it was in the mid three hundreds. Like you gotta divide that out by sixteen games because they didn't make the playoffs that year. The volume of which running backs feature running backs are asked to carry the ball, and especially now that the game has evolved, you need a good pass catching running back, a good pass catching third down running back. I mean, dude, I mean, you know, I think that's why some of these guys want to get paid. But they're also not looking at the longevity of, of their career. Exactly. I think well, a feature I, running back has got four to six prime years, and then after that, they get a little sluggish. You know, they got four to five years, years, and that's including their year. Like, yeah, yeah. It. I, I honestly think, uh, like you said, Isaiah. I think. I think it's. Uh, they do have like I'd say like four to six years. Uh, two things that I've noticed um, with running backs. One, I believe, like you mentioned, they are taking into consideration the number of hits that they have. The organizations as a business is looking at it and saying, okay, awesome. You want to be compensated that much more because of that, but we can go draft somebody in the fourth or fifth round behind our line and get the same production or a little bit less. It's it's the Le'Veon to James Conner. James Conner cannot hold Le'Veon's jockstrap, but they serviced him well. You can barely tell. Yes. 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 But... I do think that there are situations uh, where you can put it depending on how they are. So for instance, like Nick Chubb, I believe Nick Chubb's career will be extended depending if he takes a bag to go to a shit bag team, it yeah. won't. But if he stays in Cleveland, his career will be go through the roof because he got to play alongside Kareem Hunt. Absolutely. And, yeah. and he doesn't have to take a bunch of unnecessary hits. He mm. doesn't, he still gets the rock. But he's not selfish. He's not trying to get the bag just to get the bag. He's also thinking about it as like, because because what what a lot of these a lot of running backs, especially in the modern day, what they they don't understand is is if you look to get the bag nine times out of ten as a running back, you're gonna do what Demarco Murray did. You're gonna get the bag. You're gonna play one more year, and then you're gonna be coaching running backs at college. Yeah. And if you take huge... less, you can play longer and make more money. Yeah. I think a huge thing is you have to look at drop-offs from features to possibly maybe second, possibly even third-string running back. All of, all of this to say, though, too, like you need to get a fucking agent who's going to negotiate your deal to get as much guaranteed money as possible. Yeah. Yep. Because I'm telling you right now, dude, I guarantee you that's where the Titans are at with Derrick Henry. Oh, we're going to give you some money. Nigga, you're going to run the ball 400 times a year. <laughs> 
And we're going to get every ounce of productivity out of you because at the end of this, we're either going to cut you <laughs> or we're going to fucking trade you. Well, they're trying yeah. to trade him. Yeah. Yeah, because they know he's going to have to get paid. Well, you he's going to have to get paid, and, and it's, it's with them rebuilding. Having to yeah. pay him right now, there's no reason for it. It's, it I think the, I think the most relative ever. case to this, too, is a guy like like Austin Eckler, right? Austin Eckler signed – it was like a three-year, like three-year, $24 million deal. Team-friendly deal for, for a guy like him and because they signed him to that because they were losing Melvin Gordon because he's a piece of shit. And, you know, Eckler, let's be real. You get down to brass tacks, Eckler's not an all-purpose back. He is a third down back. He doesn't run between the tackles well. You know what I mean? Like, he's he's just not big enough to be an every down back. But he has played like an every down back for the last three years, and he's played great. The pickle he finds himself in now is he wants to get a big deal where he gets a bunch of money. And the organization, and I think he understands too, like, dude, you have got a lot of wear on you over the last three years. Be very hard pressed for us to give you a deal. And I think they offered him a team friendly deal and he didn't want it because you want to get the guaranteed money because he knows his career is not going to like, let's be real, dude. Like these guys aren't going to play 10 years. Like there's, there's outliers who play for a long time, like the Adrian Peterson's and shit. But like, really you don't see those guys anymore. Like they're just not, they're not there. Yeah. So like the organization was like, well, buddy, dude, we're not going to we're not going to fucking give you Zeke money, dude. We're not going to give you we're not going to give you money like that because you get hurt. Like we don't have anybody behind you. You know what I mean? Like. So what I think is going to happen now is he's basically going to be he's going to be an angry holdover and we're going to end up drafting fucking B. John Robinson or something. (laughs) We're just going to slowly. We're gonna slowly ice him out of the fucking yeah. out of the organization yeah. because that's, we don't that's, have a choice. That's, that's one of the biggest things too that 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 running backs don't understand is you have to they have to start looking at it and finding a happy medium of yeah. you get enough guaranteed that's going to make you happy and also you solidify your spot because that if you start becoming a nuisance and the organization is like homies asking for way too much they're gonna look in the draft and if they look in the draft and there's somebody like a Bijan robinson bruh yeah. <laughs> you're gone buddy well, yeah, I, th- yeah. Th- I think this is the point that i was trying to make too is if you look off look at the drop off from your running back one to your running back two and it's a big difference or if it's a little difference so like josh jacobs is a good example can y'all tell me who his backup is? Uh, nope. <laughs> it was Kenya Drake before he got hurt, and then Kenya Drake like left. But and before that, it was Latavius Murray. But Latavius Murray hadn't been the same since he got knocked out. Whenever he was starting <laughs> in Oakland, y'all remember that play when homie talking about when Brian? Wait, you talking about when they played the Steelers? Yeah, and homie's yeah, whole Bri- arm went stiff and he fumbled. <laughs> Brian, yeah, Brian. I think it was Brian Mitchell came down in the the alley and smashed yeah. off on him, and he that's that's how like, Alex people, Pereira felt last night. Yeah, like people like organizations that have running backs like that. You know, it's really top heavy at your running back one, and your drop off is tremendous. If you can't even, you know, they're like, yeah, he's a good second down back, but you got to look at how much Josh Jacobs is on the field, and then especially the year that he had after this past year. 
you're going to feel like you want some money. Derrick Henry's the same way. You're going to feel like you want some money. Zeke, not so much because he's always had a solid backup running back since he's been in the league. You got to think, Alfred Morris ran for 1,000 yards his first four seasons of Washington, then went to Dallas and never touched the ball because what were they relying on so much? Zeke. Alfred Morris doesn't even play in the league anymore. Tony Pollard got drafted in like the fourth. As a fucking receiver. Yes. That's what I'm saying. He's always had, and that's like, like you said, the longevity of Nick Chubb's career is going to help him so much by organizations that have two solid running backs. I mean, I think the Bengals fucked up by letting Samaje go. They should have fucked up by thinking Joe Mixon was going to stay clean. He just, they just, uh, reissued his fucking arrest warrant or the the charges the charges it wasn't a warrant and i think that's the biggest thing that people are thinking of i mean Le'Veon wanted the bag whenever james connor was a rookie and james connor like was a proven back in college and even i I don't know this is just another story to play into motherfuckers beat cancer okay and then ran for it (laughs) brett you want to know you want to know the thing the thing too if that would help running backs as well, like Torian said, get an agent. Stop going to these shitbag ass teams. Like when yeah. Le'Veon went to the Jets, I was like, what the Why? fuck? Like yeah. you're going to the Jets just for the money. And yeah. he went to the Jets on a deal that he had he had gotten the same amount of guaranteed money offered to him by Pittsburgh. Yeah. He's an idiot. Yeah. He just burned. He, he 100% ruined his career by that. Yeah. And now he's fucking celebrity boxing. But yeah. I mean, but yeah. yeah, I mean that's that's the biggest thing that I look at. The volume of your running back runs and the drop off from one to two definitely plays a huge factor into them wanting to chase the bag. Like, who's the backup running back right now for the Chargers? Uh, Josh Kelly, and Justin and Jackson. What's the how much yards did they run for? Last I think year? collectively they ran for like four or five hundred yards. It wasn't much. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I mean, Eckler only ran for nine hundred, and he had like yeah, four hundred touches last year. I was gonna say, and it came late in the year because he didn't start off hot. Yeah, I mean that's. I mean, you look at a team like, for instance, look at the Rams, right? The Rams haven't had a solid, proven running back one since Todd Gurley. And the only thing that ha- – Daryl Henderson is a serviceable back. He'll, he might run for 700, 800 yards. He might catch a couple passes. But look at the drop-off of that team overall. Yes, a lot of – they dealt with injuries. They lost some people. but They didn't want to give the ball to Cam Akers and fucked yeah. up my fantasy team. Yeah, what they messed up on is their offense was so predicated on the play action. Well, nobody's going to fall for a play action. If, <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Nobody's going to yeah. fall for that shit. If they look at your running back one and he hasn't had a 100-yard game in eight weeks. This is not not even a 100. He just doesn't even have a good run in eight weeks. Yeah. You're averaging yeah. like one and a half yards a carry, and it's not offensive line. This is just – the talent just ain't there. I feel yeah. like if you put a talented back in in the the Rams organization, they would play well. But it's gonna they would make people respect your run game. Yeah, but they just couldn't. They put they spent their money elsewhere. Well, and now they're having to fucking trade and pay pray for everything. They, yeah. I mean, they're one of those organizations that did what the Yankees and the Lakers always do, which is yeah, pay overpay people and hope the guy that it works. But mentioning the Lakers, mm-hmm. so today is the last day of the plan. 
obviously Torian's team, the Bucks, or uh, I said the plan. Today's the last day of the regular season. Yeah. Um, obviously, T's team is the top of the Eastern Conference with the Bucks. Um, the Lakers are actually going to make the playoffs because uh, we dumped Russell Westbrook. Zach, if you listen, I don't give a fuck. Fuck Russ. Non-shooting ass <laughs> motherfucker. Score 14 points and talking about, I'm cooking these Lakers. Right? You score 14 points in four quarters and you're the GOAT. But and, anyways, we're going to get off that. Isaiah, bro, as a Mavs fan, I've heard a lot of stuff, read a lot of stuff this week about Luka. Uh, one that stood out, and I actually agree with, they said Luka got complacent. He got down to Texas and started eating with the pe- the chef that uh, cooked for James Harden. Homies gained too much weight. Perfect. What's up with Luka, bro? So homie sounds like I he think... is about to shoot a reality show. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm just going to point this out to start. I am a Spurs fan through and through, but I love Luka up until – he is shown his immaturity with that organization. When you don't play defense, when you complain, when things aren't going your way and you crumble and you have an attitude, it, it's very remnant of how Cam Newton used to act. You know, Used to, nigga? Have you not been watching the shit that Cam has been putting out? <laughs> I'm, I'm talking I'm talk about as a professional. Cam, okay, go Cam ahead. is go on ahead. the couch. Cam is not going to get signed anywhere. You're right, but no, go ahead, go ahead, my bad. But I think his biggest issue that he's going through right now is the best opportunity that they had to compete was whenever he had solid shooters and defenders around because it was able to mask his defensive, his lack of defensive knowledge and just how he played the game. So now that you have Kyrie, who's a better defender than, than, than Luka, but oftentimes, teams don't teams don't put Kyrie on the best one guard. They put him on a two guard, and then Luca is tasked to play, you know, a three guard. Well, Luca might be playing one of the best three guards in the league, depending on the night. Yeah, you can hide him whenever they play like the Rockets or the Spurs this year, or you know, a bottom tier team. But whenever you play a really good team, you can't do that anymore. You know, for most of the game against Phoenix, whenever before they made the Michael Bridges trade, he was guarding him. Michael Bridges is not known as a scorer, so he was hiding away from Devin Booker. Spitzer did when he was asked to guard Devin Booker. Now it's different. They can't they can't use that towards the end of the game because he's going to be asked to do that. Kyrie is Kyrie. He's going to get you buckets. He's got a high basketball IQ, but them sharing the ball at the same time. Kyrie can play off the ball. He's done that for a lot of his career. You know, when LeBron got there, Kyrie was fine playing off the ball. And whenever they asked him, hey, I need you to go get a bucket, he would do it. But now he's almost asked to do that so much because everything ran through Luka a ton. The best opportunity that they had is when Porzingis was there, then when he was there. And uh, Jalen Brunson was there because it took the offensive load off of them, and they were good defenders on the back end. Now you don't have that Dwight Powell, who has the longest run of starting in at, at center in the Mavericks organization, averages three points a game and 17 minutes a game as your starting center. It's not going to work, dude. And as far as his diet and his habits, bro, 
That's just European people, I feel like. I mean, look at Jokic, bro. Jokic is Jokic is just out on the ranch in the offseason, bro. He's drinking beer and chilling, but I think <laughs> I think out with Big Ben. Yeah, I think his skill set is different because the team that's around him and he's also a good defender. He's able to tra- he's able to go from offense to defense and not lose a lot. Luka's not that he's just not that type of player. And it's almost get to the point to where you say, "Man, Trey Young is starting to look more impressive than Luca." And this is the first. Okay, time I'm gonna, gonna stop you that. real quick. I'm gonna stop you real quick, my guy. <laughs> look, out, bro. look, um, real quick. The reason that Trey Young can kind of look as impressive compared to Luca now is because most teams' defensive uh, like strategy goes to Dejounte Murray. Uh, yeah. That's one. Um, two, Trey Young and Luca. To me, I can't watch basketball, especially whenever they're on, because they cry to the referees so much. Yeah, and it is—it's exhausting, Zers, brother. It's yeah, I guess, Zers. I guess, but uh, <laughs> I, I guess, but like, it's, it's, mm. and and I, I think a lot of the times they do it because they're not going to play defense regardless. But the thing, yeah. the thing to me with Luca is, I think, I think Luca, everything kind of came down on him right now, right? Like. He's being asked to be an MVP. He's being asked to uh, do all of this stuff. And he's still, what is this, like his sixth year in the league? Lucas, what, like 24? Uh, Believe so. Yeah. 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 He still has a long ways to go to grow as a player, to be a, like, a, I, I, he, I don't think he'll ever be as dominant as Giannis, but like, he still has time to grow. I think, honestly, this is just me. I think Mark Cuban has been fumbling the bag. And I love Mark Cuban. But I think he's been fumbling the bag because you're asking Luka to come in and do what he does. But then you're saying, like, okay, well, we need Luka to start sharing the ball. Then he has Kristaps. And it's like, okay, Kristaps is giving you about 16 points. But because he's not a a true big, we got to get him the fuck out of here. So then you trade him. Then you bring in a whole new lineup. Then you blame uh, Brunson's dad for the reason he went to New York. Give him the bag. If you wouldn't have tried to undercut him, then he probably would have stayed. He even yeah. said that. Like, he enjoyed it. Then you have a solid team. Like, y'all are four, three, four, five seed. And then you say, you know what? Let's go out and get Kyrie. Why? Yeah. Why? You, like, it, it's to me, it's just crazy. Like, why would you do that? Like, again, Kyrie, he's going to be a bucket in the right situation. Kyrie would be solid, but. Yeah. Not there. He's, Not is the there. NBA's Darth Vader, dude. Everyone hates Kyrie Irving. <laughs> Man, I don't even hate Kyrie. I just, I just don't give a fuck, like honestly, about anything that he says, does, or whatever. I just, I when when he's hooping, like as far as him say. on the court, yeah, it is care. like I, it's... I enjoy watching Kyrie play basketball off the court. I don't pay attention to his ass. Yeah, he's he just be doing shit to do shit, like. Yeah. Like he's just—he's one of those dudes that that when he sees somebody recording, he thinks he's in front of pe- like a camera or something. He's just gonna do or say some wild shit. Kyrie is the the NBA's version. Yeah, he's gonna say and do whatever the fuck he wants to. Man. Well, I I also think too that a big part of Luca's weight gain and and all that other stuff that he's stressed because he hates Kyrie, because... dude. No, it's it's, <laughs> it's it's I think it's stress because. He's starting to get to the point where he wants certain things done his way, but he doesn't look at it from an overall team aspect. He just wants his Dude, way. That could be a that 
something we should talk about how sports, even sports, are not even about the team, dude. These are so fucking me like selfish, about bro. The team. I think that's yeah. why some teams fail to have fucking success for years. You just hire a bunch of fucking yeah. cooks to be in the kitchen. Like you can't do that. Yeah. And I mean, I think an impressive thing to see as far as the the, the I mean, it's another thing where you can see teams that are very you know they everybody gets along with each other. There's no egos. I mean, you might have an outspoken it's hard person, to do but that though. They, well, I mean, I think the Bucks are a good example, or you know, maybe even the yeah, Warriors. Phoenix, yes, Warriors. Yeah. Yes. I mean, yes. I, I feel like if dude, I'm, I'm here to tell you right now, dude. Like, I want the Bucks to win. Want to win every year. I'm here to tell you right now, if the fucking Phoenix Suns, if Kevin Durant decides to be a role like a team player, like yeah, that's been. what I'm saying. If it stays that way, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that team that team could win for a while. Kind of like the Warriors, like they're built to win. Like yes, and they're built to win. Katie now. is Katie. KD, the the crazy thing about KD, and obviously being in Oklahoma, everybody hates him, and they hate hearing anything positive about him. KD is probably one of the players that, throughout the NBA history, you can plug him on any team and he works because he doesn't have to have the ball at all times to be successful. Yeah. So yeah. when you start plugging and playing teams, like I remember, I remember hearing people say like, "Oh, well, I I know that KD and Golden State was unfair, but if you put Russ on that Golden State team, they would have been worse." Because now you have two dudes on the court that can't fucking shoot, and the spacing dies. So you have yeah. Draymond and Russ. You throw KD in there, and you let Draymond ha- handle the ball. Now you have four shooters around exactly. him, so it, it becomes unfair. And then with with Phoenix, Chris Paul can be a fucking like a distributor. Uh, Devin Booker can get going and cooking, and KD is fine not taking his first shot until the second quarter. KD will just run back and forth, and then, like, you can turn KD into a, a, a spot-up shooter if you need to. I can, and then I, yeah. say could. To, to play off of what you're saying, Marlon, the last game that KD played, they won by four against the Nuggets, right? Yep. KD took a total of 18 shots. He was 9 of 18. That's 50%. He was 6 of 10 from three. That's 60%, right? This dude is taking 15 to 20 shots a game, which isn't bad considering that you play with Devin Booker and Chris Paul. And you got a solid bench. You got a good big man that's going to get you. He he you can know, win more and do 20. less on a team like that. It's the same yes. way he yep. did in Golden yes. State. He didn't have to take yep. as many shots. And they did he, a lot more. Yeah, he was a – Katie – uh, with Golden State was a break glass in case of emergency. Yeah, yeah, one hundred percent. No, I agree. He was gonna give you a cool yep. twenty-five and eight, couple assists, yep. effort he, in there. Yep, and then it, if if Clay and Steph and them was was bullshitting or struggling or whatever, they would just Steve Kerr would be like, "Get the fuck out the way, Katie, bring yeah. us home." <laughs> then then he would you know give him a little forty burger. Yep, cool thirty-eight. <laughs> That's it is crazy. Necessary. Yep. Use it just, necessary. That's exactly that, how they play. That's them. that's the thing I think. Uh, also, I mean, obviously we're going long here, but uh, we we can talk about and uh, like you were mentioning about sports and how selfish people are, but also how the NBA has changed. Of uh, just people. I mean, honestly, it's like it's the exact conversation you're talking about. 
people are more worried about themselves than they are about the team. KD is one of those people that it's sad to say it, but he is one of the most team friendly players ever yeah. because he doesn't give a fuck. He right. doesn't. KD's usage. You talk about him in the last ten to fifteen years. KD is is top two, right? LeBron, KD, right? But his usage rate compared to LeBron is so much lower. He's yeah. more efficient. He's a better offensive, like an offensive player. He may not have the stats to it, but his efficiency and the ways that he can score is is more all around than LeBron. And that's where you see the difference of like a. Luca, Trey Young, Russell Westbrook, James Harden, stuff towards KD is they have to have the ball in their hand, and yeah. when they don't, they they're useless essentially. Yeah. I will. The last thing that I will say, and this is it, it, it's kind of off topic, but it pisses me off. One of the games, Dwight Howard, I mean Dwight Powell as a starting center was one of one from the field with four rebounds and he played 12 minutes. That's all you need to know. That's why they suck. Okay, I'm, I'm done. After that. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> all right, well, we can wrap her up, fellas. Y'all got any, anything to lead these yeah, people man, with? Yeah, man, I would say it's good to be back. And I would also say if you see or have any contact with Marlon tomorrow, be sure to tell a real one happy birthday. Yes, sir. Nah, fuck that. <laughs> I'm turning my phone. I do not disturb. Well, man. Well, we will be back. Uh, we should be back next week. I ain't got shit to do. Uh, I should be sick. And as long as y'all are good to go, we'll be back. Um, yes, yeah, man. It's good. We we just talking episode 18. We'll see and talk to y'all next week. We sure, out. Be easy. Peace.